Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life the podcast that delves deep into the human experience exploring the complexities of life personal growth and the power of resilience so i'm your host avik and today we have a truly exceptional guest joining us yes i'm talking about annie temple so welcome to the show annie thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be here Lovely. So, Annie, like before we start our conversation, I would love to mention this to all of our listeners that Annie is a remarkable woman of many talents, graces our podcast today. So, she is an exotic dancer, a devoted mother, and an accomplished author, a captivating speaker, and an enterprising entrepreneur in the world of erotica. Yes. so her life is a testament to the incredible strength of the human spirit so she's faced poverty disability divorce and societal discriminations yet she stands as a shining example of unwavering dis- uh, determination so her journey of hope healing and the empowerment has led her to boldly reinvent herself challenging the societal norms every step of the way so her unique background in the adult entertainment industry coupled with her profound focus on the personal growth relationships and the entrepreneurship brings a fresh and inspiring perspective to the world of podcasting So her story is one of the transformation resilience and breaking free from the constraint of society's expectations. So with her powerful voice and inspiring insights, she encourages others to break their own glass ceilings and embark on the journeys of self-discovery. So what to wait for? Without further delay, let's dive into this captivating conversation with Annie Temple. So welcome to the show Annie again. Thank you. <laughs> so, Annie, like, uh, I, uh, I mean, uh, you have a diverse and remarkable journey that includes uh, being an exotic dancer, author, speaker, erotic entrepreneur. So, if you can share some of the uh, moments that led you to embrace your unique path and defy the societal norms. Sure. Thank you so much for asking me that question. I I started out as an exotic dancer as a very young woman. I'm 50 years old now, yeah. and I was 23 when I started dancing. 
And I did it initially because I really just couldn't find a, a job that I could earn enough money to support myself. Mm. But what happened quickly and what I learned quickly was that I really was meant to be a performer and I really was meant to work for myself. So that began my kind of journey of, of learning how to be an entrepreneur, learning how to do my own taxes and all of that, and also embracing who I was and not feeling like I was inferior to other people. I'd grown up poor in, you know, a poor area of a small town with a family that was quite, you know, discrim not discriminated against. I don't want to say that, but just looked down on because of uh, their issues with addiction and people turning to crime and that kind of thing. So I grew up around people that struggled financially and I never really understood how people became wealthy. In fact, for a long time, I had this idea or perspective that people with money, you know, they either were born with it or they did something terrible to get it. And I just had a bad opinion of anyone with money because I just thought, I don't know what I thought. It's just so weird looking back now. And I, I never realized how to earn money, how to create wealth, how to become financially independent. So even when I became an exotic dancer at the age of 23, it wasn't like, oh, wow, now I can plan my life and make money and, you know, rise above what I've been raised with. It wasn't like that at all. It was more like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can pay my rent and I can eat, <laughs> you know, and I can buy a round of drink for my, uh, drinks for my friends or go camping or go on a holiday. These were things that I couldn't do before. So I was just so excited. And at that part of that time of my life, I really kind of just let, let things go like I, I went with the flow wherever the winds of chance would take me and I ended up having babies and then leaving the exotic dance industry and going back into it uh, going into university going to college getting regular square jobs like I was even a marketing manager for a few different organizations which was my favorite uh, I also was a frontline support worker and community support for people with addiction and housing issues and that kind of thing. So I did a lot of stuff like in the adult entertainment industry and also outside of it. But I always kept returning to the adult entertainment industry. And about five years ago, I decided that I wanted to just stay in the adult entertainment industry. I just was like, I love it here. I keep coming back. I make better money in this industry. I don't like having a boss. I like being <laughs> an entrepreneur and working for myself. And, and then my health turned. And actually, that's another thing that I didn't mention, but my health has been a roller coaster through my life. So that has also kind of taken me in and out of different jobs and, and different experiences. And when, when I put all of that together, most recently, when I realized that I'd finally accepted that I'm meant to be an adult entertainer, and then I was dealing with new health issues that would actually change my entire body... Uh, that was a really crazy experience for me. I think as we get older, we, we we start to feel like comfortable and safe in in our lives and feel like we know who we are. We feel less apologetic. We feel less like we need to pretend to be someone we're not. And I was really there. I was so excited and I was embracing my adult entertainment, you know, destiny.
And then I found out that I would need to get a permanent ileostomy, which is a poop bag on my stomach. And as someone in the adult entertainment industry, I thought, oh my gosh, my my destiny, <laughs> it's not my destiny anymore and it's all over. And uh, And it's so funny because I've been through as a woman, and I think a lot of women go through this kind of stuff where our bodies change so much. We have a baby, you know, our boobs get bigger, our butts get bigger, our stomachs get bigger. And when they go back down, if they go back down, they look different. They are different colored. They have stretch marks. They have, you know, we just, we're never, our belly button never even looks the same. Like everything changes. And so we have to like, over and over through our lives, learn to accept our new body, our new body, our new body. But I never really thought I would have to accept a new body that would include having a poop bag on the outside of it. So that was just unbelievably insane. And I was very depressed and I was really worried that I was going to not feel beautiful or sexy or attractive anymore. But like many other times over the course of my life, and each time I went back into the adult entertainment industry, I was, I was, you know, I don't know what the word is, but the, the people in my community and the customers and the clients that would pay to spend time with me or watch me dance or whatever the case may be, they didn't care about my ostomy. They still wanted to see my pictures on OnlyFans. They still wanted to get a sensual massage from me. They still wanted me in their lives because I realized that I had done a number of things. One, I didn't give my customers cre the credit that they deserve, that they are not one dimensional beings, that it's not all about what I look like. Yeah. Um, and that they love and respect me as a human being and who I am is important to them and more important to them than whether I have my body changed. Uh, but I also learned that I wasn't giving myself enough credit that I'm beautiful no matter what. It doesn't matter what my body looks like, that the beauty really comes from inside. And when we can embrace our outside then the beauty inside shines even brighter. It's just such a, a wonderful thing. And I think I think a lot of women don't have the privilege of, of getting that kind of positive, caring feedback from people, a community of people about their naked bodies like an adult entertainer would. And that's one of the wonderful things that I've experienced in the industry, definitely. Lovely. Thanks for sharing your, uh, uh, I mean, this journey. And I, I believe uh, listeners will gonna learn a lot of things from uh, your journey, for sure. So uh, now we talk about society, which is a great uh, quote unquote uh, word and have a heavy uh, meaning. So society often carries uh, stigmatization and misconceptions about the adult industry adult entertainment industry. So how did you navigate these challenges and what empowered you to find that confidence and empowerment in this field? Definitely society does discriminate against people in the adult entertainment industry. I think that because I grew up poor with family members who I already felt like an outcast in my family and in my neighborhood, like, like we were outcasts, our mm -hmm. community, my community. 
And so when I became an exotic dancer, that didn't really change so much, that feeling of being an outcast. But what did change was now I suddenly had to live a double life. I didn't want to tell people what I was doing. For instance, I didn't want to tell my doctor. I didn't want to tell the bank. I didn't want to tell my landlord. I didn't want to tell anyone who would ask me what my job was, what my actual job was, because I didn't want them to discriminate against me. And the the sad truth is that they may not even intentionally intend or want to discriminate against me, but their preconceived ideas will naturally lead to that. And so to protect myself and to protect my family, I've had to live a double life for uh, the majority of my adult entertainment life. Well, until recently when I decided it was going to be my destiny. (laughs) But uh, yeah, society is definitely not very accepting of the adult entertainment industry, which is really unfortunate because I feel like sex, sensuality, intimacy, these are things that we shouldn't put shame on. We shouldn't hide away. We shouldn't discriminate about. We shouldn't uh, look down on people for wanting it or needing it or, or accessing it, however they, they do. And we shouldn't look down on people for earning an income off of it because there is a demand for it. Sure. But, you know, be, but we're supposed to be like say sex is sacred. Sex is beautiful, but it's only sacred and beautiful if someone doesn't pay for it. I don't, you know, I don't feel like that's really fair. So I've always been uh, very vocal about how I felt that society should understand that people who work in the adult entertainment industry, we are all, excuse me, I apologize. I'm going to have to start over. I just realized that my computer is not plugged in. I'm so sorry. I almost lost you. I'm very sorry. That hasn't happened to me yet. That's my first major I'm glad we're not uh, live right now. <laughs> so I was talking about um, society. So you're going to have to cut that out. But um, sorry, uh, let me just get my head back. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I started advocating for adult entertainers at a very young age. Uh, very shortly after I became an exotic dancer, I started planning events and community fundraisers. I created a website for exotic dancers to congregate on and so that we could give each other information and we could give each other permission to enjoy our jobs. And the truth is, when I first started dancing, I didn't I didn't actually feel proud of my job. I did feel a bit ashamed. I didn't feel ashamed of being beautiful or getting naked on stage or listening and and flirting with men or making people feel seen and heard and you know feel important that was stuff i was good at and i was proud of but what i did feel ashamed of was what i had been taught to believe which was that the sex industry is bad for women that it perpetuates a culture of abuse towards women that was something that i'd been raised to believe something that i had been taught to believe in university And so now here I was, I was a member of the exotic dance industry, the adult entertainment industry. So now I was a part of the problem. I didn't feel like it was a problem. I actually felt quite empowered, but I was told that I should feel degraded and exploited and and ashamed. 
So, so that was, that was difficult for me. And, and they, they have a name for it in academia. It's called internalized oppression. And it's when you take the oppression that other people put on you and you oppress yourself. Basically, you start to look down on yourself or, or feel bad about yourself or feel ashamed of yourself because of what other people say to you. They basically were telling me and everyone in my industry that we should be ashamed and that men or anyone who, who accesses the industry should also be ashamed. And shame is such a, such a horrible, horrible feeling. And it's, it's very toxic and sick. And I, I don't think it's, it's a good thing to push on anyone. That's one of, one of my problems with uh, what I see as the feminist movement. I've, I've sat in discussions and forums and roundtables of feminist discussion and talked about how sex workers and clients are shamed and had people who are self-proclaimed feminists say that it's necessary to shame them and that they should be ashamed. And to me, that's, that's not a correct way to go about change in society. I respect everyone's right to want to have a society that they imagine to be perfect. And there are a lot of people who think that a, a perfect society wouldn't include the sex industry. But there are also a lot of people that their lives would be impacted very negatively if we didn't have a sex industry. And I don't just mean met people with disabilities that perhaps wouldn't be able to access intimacy services, but I also mean people like me who wouldn't have been able to support ourselves or our families if we didn't have the adult entertainment industry to turn to. Now I'm, I'm later in life and uh, what happened actually, because I think I skipped over this, originally when I had that shame in my early 20s when I was first dancing, I went to university and I was taking a women's studies course and I wrote an essay about my experience as an exotic dancer and how I felt empowered by it. For my sources, I went and interviewed a bunch of other exotic dancers and asked them, how did dancing make them feel? Did it make them feel disempowered? Did it make them feel empowered? Uh, the questions, those weren't the question, but that was the gist of the, of the essay. And when I turned it in, I was, uh, I was told that we couldn't provide our own sources and I had to use published literature to prove my, <laughs> prove my argument that the sex industry could be empowering. <laughs> So I didn't know any literature out there existed, but my instructor did know of a book called Whores and Other Feminists. And when I read that book, I finally realized and understood that academia is not always right and that it also is very, uh, very based on the perspective of the people whose thoughts are most dominant, dominant at the time. And so the dominant thought in feminism at the time was that sex work was disempowering and exploitative, but they weren't asking sex workers those questions. They were, they were coming up with that on their own. And so that really opened my eyes. That made me realize uh, that I could question academia. I could question when people say, well, this is a fact. I could say, well, where did you get your information. <laughs> and, uh, and how do you know that's a fact? So I started to be able to critically think about things and not just accept what I was told by um, university professors and that kind of thing. And, that, and then I was also able to embrace my work and stop feeling ashamed of it. I actually started to be more excited about my work when I realized that I didn't have to 
hate my customers. I didn't have to look down on them. I didn't have to feel like they're dirty perverts exploiting me because they weren't. And I didn't feel like they were, but I was told they were. You know what I mean? So it was it was just like um, um, I, I, I made this realization that I could enjoy my work and be proud of it and not be ashamed of it. And that just changed everything for me. And and that was when I started to embark on this journey of trying to tell other adult entertainers that they too can enjoy their jobs and also to try and get this message out to the mainstream that we're just human beings, just like everyone else, trying to do the best we can with what we've got. And we have the same exact problems, concerns, and everything that every other person does. And we're, we're not just this faceless, you know, idea uh, that they've gotten from popular media. Exactly, exactly, Joe. So, uh, so you, you mentioned that you have redefined your relationship with your body and the sexuality. So, uh, I mean, how it has contributed to your sense of empowerment? I feel like being able to show my my body in all its glory without shame and and actually even earn an income off of it mm-hmm. is very empowering it, it makes me feel it makes me feel beautiful it makes me feel like anyone is beautiful if i'm beautiful i'm a 50 year old woman with an ostomy <laughs> i've got stretch marks i've got scars I am far from perfect and yet I'm still beautiful. And if I'm beautiful and, and I can feel and, and believe that I'm beautiful, then anyone can. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, that one of the missing things that most women don't have because most women don't work in the adult entertainment industry is they don't have that, that validation of your beauty, not just on the outside, but also on the inside, because most of us are in relationships with one person or no person. And often, even if we are in a relationship with one person, they don't tell us constantly how beautiful we are. They don't tell us, you know, and I don't want to put an emphasis on physical beauty because I know that that is so transient over our lives. But it is very important to us as humans. And it's very, you know, it's something that we can't just discount either. I feel like it's it's been a good, positive thing for me to be able to embrace my body and love myself and love my body the way it is as it has changed through my life. And the fact that the adult entertainment industry has helped me with that makes me want to like capture that in a bottle and then give it out to everyone else that doesn't have it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Lovely. That's, that's great. So um, uh, my, my next uh, question, I, I won't say it's a question, but yes, uh, the physical and the emotional scars can definitely be powerful symbols of the personal journeys. So uh, if you can share like how you have embraced your cars and uh, both the literal and the metaphorical and and what they represent to you today. Sure. When I first had my first surgery on my stomach, that was in 2012, I was devastated. Honestly, I was totally devastated by my scars. I went to see a plastic surgeon about maybe six 
months or so after my final surgery because I went through a series of them. And he didn't, he normally would charge someone $100 just for the first consultation, but he told me I, he couldn't do the surgery and he didn't charge me the $100 consultation. He said it's too, it's too tricky because of all the scar tissue. But I was, I feel like, you know, having been an exotic dancer, they really expect your body to be a certain way. Yeah. They expect you to be thin. They expect you to have a tan. They expect you to, uh, you know, be be athletic to a certain degree, be able to perform that kind of thing. It's there's there's like a, a level of, you know, polish that they expect as an exotic dancer. the The other areas of the adult entertainment industry are much more forgiving. You can have almost any body. Well, I'm sure any body. Honestly, now that I have an ostomy, I I know it. <laughs> You can have anybody and be in this industry, except for exotic dance, it seems like. Exotic dance is the one area where the clubs are, you know, back when I was dancing, everybody wanted you, the agents, the clubs, they wanted you to dye your hair blonde. They wanted you to get your boobs done. That was like very common uh, kind of pressure. I didn't do either of those things, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, that. It's kind of a thing, right? A Barbie doll thing in the exotic dance industry. But thankfully, um, not in the other parts of the industry. But I think because I'd come from being an exotic dancer, I was really, really sad to see my perfect flat night's belly <laughs> destroyed. You know, I was really, really devastated. And it also meant that I would never be able to dance again on stage. So that that made me a little sad because at that time I was still going in and out of the business whenever I wanted and I love performing. So initially my scars really devastated me and it took actually getting into sensual massage and having people see me naked and seeing my scars and not even noticing them or not caring about them, not saying anything about them, returning to visit me and pay for my services over and over. And it became it started to become clear to me that the only one who cared about my scars was me. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I started to think about other people and their scars. And I looked around and I thought my scars were so damn ugly. But when I see other people's scars, I don't think they're ugly because I don't just see their scars. I see the entire person. And, and yet I wasn't seeing my entirety. I was only seeing my own scars. And I was expecting that that's what other people would see as well. So that, that was a journey. And that's definitely been something I'm so grateful to have conquered because it, it weighs on you when you feel that you're not beautiful. Like, I would never want to be a woman who turns the lights off to make love to my partner, <laughs> you know? So I'm glad that I was able to overcome that. My emotional scars are predominantly from dealing with the medical establishment. Okay. My original health issue started with a pharmaceutical injury. And I was treated like they were, my health issues were all in my head. I wasn't taken seriously until I was in emergency and had to get 75% of my large intestine removed. Uh, dealing with doctors, dealing with pressure to go on medications that I didn't want to go on after my experience, <laughs> terrible experience with the medication has been just probably one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. And I, I learned that um, a lot of people with 
complex trauma, like trauma that happens over and over and where you feel like it's never going to end and you, you feel hopeless. And, and that's a lot of the time how I felt over the years, because I, I was so sick that for about three years straight, I basically just was in bed or in the hospital back and forth and knowing that or wondering would I ever be able to live a normal life again so th these are some of the things that you know kind of made me feel so traumatized by the medical establishment and for for people with PTSD often uh, you'll find that they'll repeat their trauma stories over and over again <laughs> and it's 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 like a you can't even help it. You just, you have to, you have to get it out. It's there and it's, it's got to come out. And I believe the reason that we do that is because it helps us to become desensitized to the story. The more we tell it, the more we force people to listen, the more we try to get people to understand what we've been through and the more validation we can get from people. Like the more people would say to me, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have have been treated like that by the medical establishment and you're right you know you didn't deserve that and that kind of thing that that eventually helped me to heal and eventually i wasn't feeling like i needed to constantly tell my trauma story now i don't feel the need anymore and i don't i don't even uh really talk about it that much uh whereas there was a time when it was almost like a a cause i had to alert everyone to the dangers of the medical establishment, you know? So those scars, those scars, my metaphorical scars are definitely the deepest. And I still have a lot of trouble trusting doctors and, and the, the medical system. However, I, with healing, I've been able to come to a new place where I don't have a, the anger or the, uh, the, the, the despair or the hatred towards the medical establishment. And interestingly, I actually had a client for sensual massage who was a doctor. And he was such a gentle, wonderful, beautiful soul. And that really helped me heal. It helped me heal to know in person on an intimate level a, a human being that worked in that profession and smashed all of my stereotypes about them. <laughs> That that's that's really great. So, um, what advice do you have for the listeners who may be uh, navigating their own unconventional paths, facing the societal judgment, and seeking to embrace their authentic selves? So, what advice do you have for them? My advice is definitely to embrace who you are. Recognize that we are all equal, no matter who we are. There's no one who is below us and there's no one who is above us. I think a lot of us do that, especially people who feel like outcasts. We start to put ourselves in a, into a hierarchy with other people where we're better than some people, but we're not as good as other people. And I know I did that a lot as a mother. I would always fear that if anyone found out about my adult entertainment experience, that it would impact my children. So I think that we need to find friends who are fearless, find a community that supports us and reach out to other outcasts <laughs> that encourage us to be who we really are. And I'm, I'm one of those outcasts. So feel free to reach out to me. <laughs> that, that's very lovely. So, um, okay. Before we wrap up, like 
finally, what does the future hold for Annie? What are your aspirations, goals? You want to continue to inspire uh, and empower others through your story and the work. Yes, I am so excited because I have just started a Fearless Living Academy yes. where for different amounts so that I can reach as many people as possible, people who don't feel like they have a community or don't feel like they belong and are looking for a place to level up and experience some personal development and personal growth with a community of people to support them can join my Fearless Living Academy. I also have three books that are written and will be coming out over the next year or so. And I have plans for so many more books. I'm a writer, so I just love to write. And I also am thinking about starting a podcast. I've wow. enjoyed being a podcast guest, so I'm I'm considering becoming a pod uh, podcast host and interviewing people who have lived their lives fearlessly despite feeling like they don't fit in. I think it might be interesting podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You should start for sure. Thank Great. you. Great. Uh, and that brings us to the end of the another powerful episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. And I want to extend my deepest gratitude to our extraordinary guest, Annie, for sharing her incredible journey of the resilience, empowerment, and the self-acceptance of an, as an adult entertainer and so much more. So listeners, like I hope you have found this episode as inspiring and thought-provoking as I did and Annie's experiences and the insights reminds us that each of us has the capacity to break free from the shame, challenge the norms, and create a life that aligns with our true selves. So if you'd like to connect with Annie, explore her work further, uh, please uh, check out the episode descriptions, links, and uh, we can connect with her. And also remember that it's never too late to rewrite your own narrative and embrace your uniqueness and Annie's journey is a shining example of the limitless possibilities that await when you dare to be yourself so stay tuned for more engaging conversations on healthy mind and healthy life until next time keep embracing your authentic self breaking through the societal norms and the living a life that resonates with your true essence so thank you so much